Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City. If this is your first time, thank you for being here. God bless you. Sometimes we forget how difficult it is just walking into a place where you don't know anybody, but you know you're just looking for God. You're looking for maybe something in your life that can change or improve or a partnership with someone or a church where, okay, you know, by partnering with them, I think our, our marriage, our life, our family could be better. And uh, so God bless you and thank you for being here. We're in the middle of an Ephesians, an, an Ephesians series. So open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be there in a minute. We're just going to stay there all day long. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to follow up on two announcements that Erin made when she was up here. The first one is about our small groups. And man, thank you for... How many of you are involved in small groups? Raise your hand right if you're there. Look at there. Wow, most of you. God bless you. If you're not involved in a small group, I'm telling you that's the best thing that we have going on. You find trusted relationships and you can partner with people who will love you unconditionally with a non-judgmental attitude. And together we'll partner with each other as we become everything we've ever dreamed of becoming. So that's the focus of small groups. One additional thing to that, this month is where all of our small groups begin making preparations for our Serve Day project. Now, every year we've done Serve Day as a one big day event. And we all come together and our church has planned like eight to 10 or 12 small group projects. You sign up for those, you go out, spend three or four hours, we come back in and celebrate. It's been fantastic, but this year we decided to do it differently. This year, what we've asked is that each small group individually will create your own small, you know, serving project experience and go and do that, record it somehow with some video, uh, pictures, and then get back and tell us what God did. So we've, because we've been planning it and planning it and planning it, but now what we want is... You in each small group to ask, what is God calling us to do? I know some of the small groups have already prepared. They've already been thinking about it. Oh, our small group is going to go do this. And they've already talked about it. If you're a small group and, or if you're a small group leader, and if y'all have not already talked about it, this is the month. Now, we don't have a, a, a lot of money that we can give you, but we're going to give each group some seed money. It's just $75 if you need to go buy some supplies or to do something. What we don't want is your small group to take that $75 and just go someplace and just give it and not serve. Um, it'd be great to give an organization, a nonprofit organization, some money, but what we want to do is give them ourselves. And so if you were to just stop as a small group and ask, where do we see a pocket of pain? Where do we see where somebody needs some encouragement, something done that would just help them just a little bit in the name of the Lord? And go and do that. Our teenagers will choose a very different project than our wise men group, who will choose something very different than our yo pros, who will choose something very different than our women's uh, Tuesday morning prayer group, right? We'll all choose something different, which will be great, and we don't really want to regulate it. We want you to approach God, ask God, God, what are you calling us to do? And if you need our help, we're here to help you. You can call me anytime. And I can point you in the direction of some places where you can go. If you can't come up with a small group, I mean, a, a serving project idea, I can help you with ideas, right? So if, that, if, that's, if that's your point, then let me know and, and we'll help. But this is the month. So you really have a couple of weeks to talk about it, think about it, plan it, and then do it and make sure you record it. And turn your camera sideways so that it's HD, so we can show it up on the screen. 
Because after we finish all of our projects, we're going to have a day where we come in and we just celebrate how we went into the community in the name of Jesus for no other purpose than just serving them. Okay? Good? Any questions that you may have about it, come to our Wednesday night, All Together Wednesday. You can ask some more questions. We can give you some more details, which is the second thing that I wanted to mention. All Together Wednesday is a chance for us as a body to just get together and have conversation about things that we don't necessarily talk about on Sunday mornings. Brent Wazita, who was you were saying, yes, Aaron, your math was correct. Like, woohoo, right here in the middle. He leads our finance team, and he'll give you a state of affairs with our finances. How are we doing it according to the, our budget that we have and our plans and our spending and where are we? What about our mortgage? All, that, all those things about finances. Randy will be here. She'll give you a state of affairs with our lift ministry. Taryn will talk about our youth, Savannah operations. We'll talk about everything that we have going on. And I want to give you one additional reason to come. Now, if you're a guest, I'm about to just let you in a little. So when we share in communion together, it's one of the most important times to us every week, but it's also one of the most challenging times to us. We used to pass trays back and forth. Remember, we'd pass the trays all the way down the aisles. And then about a year ago, we had an experience where we did it like we have today. We've set the communion trays up on the front on both sides and the back on both sides and up top. And we ask everybody to get up and as a family, because we had our children in here together with us, go and share in communion together and get in little groups and pray together and just spend that time just talking your own relationship with God. It's so important because this is where you individually come forward and say, I want more of God inside all of me. And the, the, rep- the symbols of this communion bread, which is really these little pieces of wafer or cracker and, and the grape juice, and it's grape juice, it's not wine, because we have so many who have been challenged, you know, with alcohol, and we just want to be really sensitive to that. But this is the body, it just represents what Jesus did on the cross. And so you get to come and say, I want him, Jesus, I want you in my life. And I say yes. And so it's a very physical response to an invitation into relationship with God. Some of us love that when it's real solemn and quiet and reflective and prayerful. Some of us like it when it's hugging and celebration and resurrection and it's so good to see you. Neither is wrong, it's just different. And so since we've grown in our numbers and we're all here at one service, it's almost like we're standing in line, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where we're standing in line to come and get, and it's just, it just feels a little awkward. And for our guest, it's really one of the most awkward moments. Should I participate? Should I not participate? By the way, communion is open for everybody. Relationship with God is open to anyone and everyone. And it's just an invitation, and you get to decide. And so we're going to participate in that this, you know, at the end of our worship today. But on Wednesday night, what we want to talk about is, since it's one of the most important things to us, but it's also one of the most awkward moments, how can we do that better? And I want to know what you think. I want, to, I want, to, I want your perspective as we just share in. How can we make that time the most so that it's not as awkward and yet more meaningful. So those are the kind of things that we talk about 
but that all together Wednesday. And so, and we really want to know what you think. We're a family. Amen? We talk about these things together. We don't want to have the appearance of religion. We want authentic relationships with God. And, and as a church, and, and full of people, amen, God bless you. That's just the challenge. And so we just talk about these things. Now, those are my two announcements. All together Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, be here. Love to have you. And then small groups, plan your groups, plan your serving days, and uh, let us know. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. Paul said in chapter 5, verse 2, here's the, the theme of the whole book of Ephesians. He said, let's live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. Today's chapter talks about the following the example of Christ's peace and why that's so important. Rob Bell, pretty controversial pastor, however, very, very creative, about 15 years ago had these NUMA videos where he talked about what is it like to follow the example of Christ and come into rhythm with each other. And so I want to I want to share a, a few of his ideas. I want to change them a little bit, but in today's message, we're going to talk about how do we really get in tune with each other? Because at the beginning of now chapter 4, verse 1, Paul begins with this word, therefore, which is a tie to what he just finished talking about in chapter 3. You're on your way to heaven, and I hope you know how wide and how deep and how high and how long the love of God is in you. And since we're on our way to heaven and God wants everyone saved, how are we going to make sure that we all partner together without leaving anybody out and accomplish that? And so he says, therefore, you know, I'm a prisoner. I'm going to, oh, listen, I'm begging you to live a life worthy of your calling for you've been called by God. And sometimes we make that really fancy, the hearing a voice of God. And listen, all he's talking about here is there was something that stirred inside you that made you want to run after God, right? If, if you were a believer, God did something inside you that made you want more of him in your life. And so he's like, I want you to take that seriously. I don't want you to put it off. I don't want you to say, well, maybe one day, sometime in the future, I'm really going to give God my whole heart. He's like, no, I'm begging you, do it now. Take it seriously. Live your life now, worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus and what he's called us to. And then he begins to give us some ideas about what it's going to mean if we're going to accomplish that. In verses 2 and 3, he said, always be humble and gentle. I mean, this, this is a sermon series in two verses. Be humble. Everybody know what it means to be humble? Raise your hand if you know what it means to be humble. Raise your hand if you have a hard time being humble. Okay, right? So it's not, the challenge is not the understanding of it. It's the consistent application of it, of being humble and gentle, especially with those that can be annoying. So be patient with each other. Look at this. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We, ma we make room for... We're going to have faults. I've got a bunch of them. Just ask my wife. Would you ask our staff? They'll tell you. Oh my goodness. Right? But we all have those. And we all come into it with this perception of my way's the right way. I've been thinking about it and this is what I think. And somebody comes along and says, well... That's illegal, so we can't do that. Oh, oh, didn't think about that part. So you make allowance 
for the fact that we're all wired a little differently. Now, in some of our marriages, that's very easy. In some of our marriages, that's very challenging. In some friendships, that's very easy. Boy, it's easy to be your friend. In other friendships, it's pretty difficult. There are work experiences. There's all kind of things that make it challenging. So he says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. And he's talking about us as a church. However, he's not just talking about us as a church. He's talking about the whole body of Christ. And so he's like, is this difficult at your house, you know, in your home? Is this difficult with your friends? Man, you, you, apply this and it'll be better. Is it difficult as a church? Apply this and it'll get better. What about with those who are part of the body of Christ, but they're not in this building, they're worshiping somewhere else? Is it easy to just leave them out of the equation or are you making every effort? When God thinks about the body of Christ, he thinks greater than just us. Amen? Are we making every effort in our homes, in our workplaces, in our friendships, in our church, inside the whole body of Christ? And then I love this last line, binding yourselves together with peace. It's almost like he understands there are going to be these times when we want to walk away from each other. I just can't, I can't, they just annoy me to death. I can't, I can't be around them one more minute. Ooh, wee, I'm gonna, when are we gonna go back to two services? Because I would much rather just separate from, right? His recommendation is the best thing I can do for you is just get a pair of handcuffs and handcuff the two of you together until you come to peace. Because you're either gonna kill each other <laughs> or you're gonna work it out, right? Have you, it, does it ever concern you that we live in a, in a time where the moral climate is, if it's not working out, just divorce. Just separate. Just go to a different church. And what, what he's trying to challenge us with is, that's not the solution. That's not the way to represent God. And then he gives us this theme. I think it may be hard to pick out the theme in verses four through six, but let's just see if we can't find the theme that he's talking about here. The goal is to become one. So look at verses four through six. Tell me if you can just, it's, it's difficult, but see if you can figure it out. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is Lord and faith and and one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, through all. Did you figure out what the theme was? What is God's goal? The unity of the body, that we're one, that, and, and, and listen, we're all different. But the goal is that we're one, just as there's only one God. Perfect sequence with each other, perfect rhythm with each other, in tune with each other. There's just one faith, there's one Lord, there's one God. And he said, you're not able to leave anybody out. Well, boy, we can accomplish that if we'll just get rid of about 20% of our church. Or if I could just get rid of the weird people in our family, right? If I could just, if we, if we can just get rid of a few, it'd be, it'd be cool, right? That's how we roll, 
I love that, Aaron. But this is how we roll. The goal is to become one. And go back to the verse of Scripture again. Uh, yeah, there you go. Who is over all in and living through. Even if you disagree with them, God is in the people that we have dissonance with. And it's like, if God is wanting to work in them, through them, with them, and he's wanting to do the same in you, then somehow we have to learn to do this together. Amen? How can you love God who you haven't seen if you can't even love your neighbor, your brother, who you have? How do I do that? In the next section of Scripture, he says, the goal is oneness. However, we have to work to get in tune with each other. We have to, we have to it's work to get in tune with each other, right? It doesn't come easy. It, and, and this is what he says about it. Ephesians chapter 4, and here's scattered verses, but beginning in verse 7. However, now that's a big however. The goal is to be one. However, he has given each, of, each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's his really nice way of saying, however, we are all very different. And don't you know how different we are? And now this is the challenge. This is the big challenge because we're all playing a different instrument. We're all working at a different pace and a different rhythm and in a different tune. And, and, if, and if church were, were a song, if unity were, was a rhythm, it's very different when we're scattered with each other. And we're all different. And then he says, verse 11, now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church the apostles, now there was a group of 12 apostles then they had Matthias, so there ended up being 13. But in this reference, apostles are people that God has called to plant churches. They take the word of God like Paul did into different places where the word of God has not gone before. So he gave the church, you know, these church planters, apostles, and prophets, people who can see the future get a vision of it, and lead people toward that. And evangelists, people who just love heralding the good news of Jesus Christ. And pastors, people who wrap their arms around those that are hurting and, and, and shelter them, secure them, love them through everything that they go through. And teachers, people who love to break down the Word of God and explain it so that their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. How long you want us to do that, Lord? Will this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up, here's the standard, to the full and complete standard of Christ. Anybody there yet? Then he's saying you're going to need each other until you get there. Because you're going to need somebody to open your eyes to what you can't see. And unless you're humble and gentle and patient and submissive, you're going to dismiss them, separate, run to a different church, divorce, go to find, try to find somebody. It, you're, going to, you're going to separate because you think you're justified in doing it and you're not. And even though it's harder work, Work and stay together. Make allowances and room for each other's faults. 
and make every effort to continue staying unified in peace until you attain this full standard measure of Jesus Christ among you. And then he says, verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. God created a rhythm. And it's designed to make everything fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work. And you know, in, in, in Romans and in 1 Corinthians, he talked about we're like a body. You know, some of us are a hand, some a foot, you know, some eyes, some ears, some inner working parts of the body. But we've all come together, each different, but made to be one body, made to play one song. And it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. And then in verse 23, he said, in, instead of running apart from each other, cre playing your own tune, your own song, and not caring what anybody else thinks, I'm going to do it my way. Instead of that, let the Spirit renew your thought and your attitude. We have to go about this very differently. We have to think differently. We have to let the Spirit renew us. In other words, He wants you to get in tune with the Spirit. Now, what would it be like if we all just ran after whatever we wanted to run after with no consideration of anybody else? We just figured out what we thought was right and we run after it. And, and all of us did that. What does that sound like? Well, it, it sounds like when you go to an orchestra performance and they're all warming up. It, it, it sounds like this. It's like, I can tell there's something there. But, but, they, but they're not quite all together. One section's doing one thing and, and somebody else is at a different speed in a different rhythm. And it's like, as soon as you turn that off, I'll feel better. As soon as that stops. Because that's, I don't think that's the way God intended it to sound. And he's like, if you'll just stop, if you'll pause, if you'll lean into God, he starts playing one note in one rhythm. And the first thing he asks you to do is to pause. And instead of everybody looking in very different directions, instead of us running after and doing our own thing, he said, I, I created a rhythm to how this is supposed to work right. Now, if you're God, how do you bring everybody who's wired very differently all together so that they're all on the same page, playing the same song, in the same key, same time with each other. She said, I know. I'm going to send my son. He's going to come down to earth and he's going to show you how to be in tune with me. And instead of you all looking in different directions, if you'll all just look at Jesus 
and let him be the conductor. Let him lead you. You'll begin to create the rhythm of God because we know what it's like to be out of rhythm. In a marriage, with your children, in a church, in a work environment, in a neighborhood. We know what it's like when there's dissonance. But if you'll pause, and if we'll just look at Jesus, I want you all to have a life full of love, following the example of Jesus. And if we'll all look to him, how did he live? How did he talk? How did he treat people? And if we'll just follow, if we'll all follow that example, then we'll know when we're out of tune. If your life is full of hate and you can't forgive someone that's wounded you, you'll soon realize I'm out of tune. See, we're all playing instruments. The question is not whether we're all playing our instrument, because you are. The question is, are you in tune? And the, the sooner we come about following Jesus and coming into rhythm and just watching, we'll begin to find this, this groove, this harmony, this song, that is God. And then once we all come into that rhythm, once we've all learned to follow, submit, share, each one of us doing our own little part, then we'll begin to play a song and the world will give their attention to hearing that song. And they'll wanna be a part of it. They'll know that their life is not in rhythm. And they'll want, and he's like, this is how the world, I'll draw all people. If I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself, right? So in this rest of this chapter, he has given us six different ways as we begin to find out, are we in tune, are we in rhythm or not? So on the back part of your outline that's in the P-Rex in front of you, he says, here's just a few simple ones. The first one, uh, stop telling lies. Just stop lying to each other. It's like that's because that's dissonance. It's you're, you're you're creating ways that people know they can't trust you. So he just says Ephesians chapter four verse twenty five. So stop telling lies, and let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. There's a rhythm. There's a song that's being played, and when you when you lie. You create dissonance. Some, the song has to stop. The rhythm is interrupted. The, the trust of each other as we're play, is lost. And, and though it's easy to talk about, it's easy to understand, don't lie. But it's sometimes hard to follow through, especially when we feel like we have a lot to lose in the process. And so it starts with secrets. I have a secret. I don't know, should I share it? I think I'm just going to keep it to myself. 
and we justify, oh boy, if I were to tell my wife about that, she'd, she'd go nuts. So I think I'll just keep it to myself. And then the more you keep it to yourself, the more just, right? And next thing you know, you can tell, I, I'm, I'm out of rhythm. I'm, I'm not in sequence. So he's like, it's, 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 it's basic. But tell the truth. And just so that you'll know, in John, he says, look, if, if, if you're brave enough to tell the truth, then the promise from God is the truth will. Have you learned that? Have you learned the power that the truth will set you free? Oh, man. He's like, okay, that's just, that's one. Here's another one. Don't let anger control you. Don't let anger control you. And sometimes we find, you know, that, that there's a bunch of us that struggle with anger. We get so intense, so competitive, so whatever, and, and before long, winning becomes more important than unity. Verses 26 and 27, don't let, don't sin by letting anger control you. And then very, very good advice, next line. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Now, and, and this is one where this one is one where people suffer in silence because nobody wants to go to church and say, "Man, I really struggle with control issues and anger issues," and I was I went into a fit of rage, and and so my spouse is really wounded, or my children are backed in the corner, and and I mean, it's it's difficult to open up about these things. Uh, Truth set you free. Find a trusted relationship with somebody. They're not, they're not looking to expose you. They're looking to help change you in the name of the Lord. And so if that's you, then, man, come and talk with me. I would love to help you work through that. And here's the good news. It's easier to work through than you think. Because people who struggle with anger and rage, it's, it's almost like this uncontrollable demon but the, the spirits are subject to you. You're in control. And we can talk about how you can overcome that so that the people you love the most don't have to continue suffering. Just don't let anger control you. Learn how to breathe through it. Learn how to stay calm, you know, so that we're not out of rhythm with each other. Here's another one. Quit stealing and work hard. <laughs> Just... Quit taking each other's stuff. You know, just Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Whoa. So it's not just quit stealing. Quit taking stuff that doesn't belong to you. It all belongs to God. So it's not about what you can hoard, what you can build up, what you can grow. It's not about your own barn and building a bigger barn. It's not... God's going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. So the goal is not to take from them. The goal is to give, to share life with them. And then you'll be in rhythm. And, you'll, and people will quit separating and backing away. N number four, don't use abusive language. Have you noticed how many of these have to do with our tongue? Stop telling lies. Don't let anger control you. Don't use abusive language. 
right? Wow, our, our tongue, James was right. It's the, one of the smallest parts in our body, yet it makes the most trouble. Amen? All right? I hope my wife is listening. So don't. She's standing in the back. I see you. It's, that is not one of my wife's struggles, or I never would have mentioned it publicly, right? Don't use abusive language. Don't overwhelm each other. Some of you are very creative. You're, you, you really know how to shape a, a, a rough message, and you're good at it. And he's like, stop doing it. I know it, I know it comes easy to you. And I know you can easily put people in their place with your mouth. But stop doing it. Because it doesn't really do anybody any good. It makes you feel king of the day, but you'll have to separate, you'll have to create dissonance to do it. So don't use abusive language. Don't use foul or abusive language. Look at this instead. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And that's very difficult when you're upset or when you think you're right and somebody else is wrong or when they've done it for the umpteenth time and you're just frustrated and tired. There's a way to have the conversation without running over people verbally because that's when we're out of tune with each other. And remember, these last two are like all capturing. Remember, you belong to God. Remember, you belong to God. He's called you into this. He's called us together into this. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You're on the way to heaven. Act like it. Act like it. When you're in traffic, act like it. When you're the fifth one in a line that's moving way too slow, act like it. When you're at work and you're frustrated, act like it. When you're at home <laughs> and you know you can get away with it, still remember you're on your way to heaven. And one day people will attend your funeral and you want them to say, they always acted, responded in a godly way. I attended a funeral this past week of a very godly woman. And the things that her whole family said about her, her grandkids and were saying, she made the best nachos. <laughs> The biggest ice cream sundaes. When I read that, I went, Suzanne and I went and we made some ice cream sundaes at home just in honor of this wonderful lady. This lady was a godly woman and everybody around her, around her benefited from it. And you know what taught her how to act that way, respond that way, live that way? Every morning she got up and spent time with God out on her front porch with her cup of coffee her Bible, and prayer. And she and her husband prayed over their family every day. She read through the entire Bible every year so that the Word of God was the foundation of all of her decisions. And she never rushed anything. I loved it when one of her daughters said, 
drinking a glass of tea with my mom was an all-day event. She never made you feel rushed. Oh, isn't that just like God? And it's no wonder people wanted to be around her. Remember, you're on your way to heaven. Let's act like we are. So the world will know that we're in tune with the one who created us. And then finally, become tenderhearted. Become tenderhearted. And boy, he just throws everything into one big bucket. It's almost like he's just going to douse us with Jesus right here at the end. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words. Here again, look at how much of this has to do with our tongue. And slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead. Be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Ephesians chapter 4, how to live in rhythm. And it's all about watching the example of Jesus and living like him. So, what's your next step? Man, get your Bibles out all week long and, and read about Jesus. Read the Gospels. Look at how he responded to people. Look at how he treated people. Look at the love that he had for everyone. In fact, the people furthest away from God were the ones who wanted to be around him the most. And he always had time for them. And as the more we get to know Jesus and focus on him, the more united we'll be as God calls us into a body with each other. Man, I love you. I think this is stuff that you get right. This is stuff that you do very, very well. And he's not finished He's got a whole chapter again next week that he's going to talk more about it, including our home and how we're supposed to respond to each other as spouses and children. And so read chapter 5 and come and be a part of it next week.